This is Small Changes, Stark Reality on jasoncharles.net. Another episode of Stark Reality coming your way as we roll out the red carpet to Queens and rap with Stephen Barr, a.k.a. DJ Huggy Bear. Stephen is a native New Yorker, grew up in South Ozone Park when New York City was a slightly different place than it is today. Besides music, of course, we talk about his collection of vintage clothes and cartoons. He grew up in the 80s. He also worked as a bouncer for a decade before DJing at hot spots like Marquee. Uh, talk about the organizational aspect of being a DJ, handling requests, playing to your audience and pro gigs, dealing with very fickle, short attention span crowds, going to see other DJs. Of course, we talk about classic clubs and parties like ABT and Mobile Mondays and how the current rents in New York are changing the crowds and the vibe. Talk about throwing your own parties and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Steven is really top people. He's one of the nicest guys in the biz, and he gives us a nice mix of disco edits and classics to accompany the interview. Hope you enjoy. Cheers. But anyways, yeah, and like, yeah, the format's pretty basic. I just, uh, I just, uh, we get to know you, the man, right, the cool. myth, Huggy Bear. <laughs> so where do we start? Uh, where do we start? You, With you, the origin you, story? Yeah, the origin story. Because <laughs> <laughs> you do collect like superheroes. You have quite, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have quite, you're, you're quite the collector, not just music of other things. But you see, uh, you see this here? No, what is that? Okay, yeah, I see what you're pointing at. It's what like is... a like a 26 inch Sentinel toy or some shit. <laughs> yeah, out of control. Yeah, do you still you're still collecting toys and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Like I have a whole room and like a a, a bunch of pre orders still in uh in effect. So what what is what do you mean the pre, you have to get in on these like limited edition things or how does that scene work? It just is. I think now toy companies are just getting smart and let's say we're gonna sell direct to customer and. We have a fan base, so we go to the fan base and say, hey, we're making this. You want to buy it? Sure. Pre-order it, and we'll make it. You know what I mean? Uh, I see. So it's almost like some of these record things. Like, if we get enough orders, then we'll right. press the record. Yeah. So they're actually yeah. doing they're actually doing that with toys. That's pretty wild. Right. So then yeah. it's, like, literally endless, right? Because they're like, oh, we can put this out, you know? There's still, a, a, like, a, a vast number, but, like, they, they, they could sell instead of having stuff stuck, stuck on the shelves. Right, right, right. Yeah. Nice, but uh, yeah, you grew up in uh, in Queens, or where did you grow up? When? So the I was in Queens, South Ozone Park, until it was like second grade, and it was a rough neighborhood. The house got robbed twice. Wow, that's pretty crazy. 
what so was it? Like, what was, right. How old were you when that happened? How old was I? I don't know, maybe twelve or thirteen, but like, what was the, what was the neighborhood like? I don't think I even I, I remember visiting a friend in Ozone Park once. I don't think it's I like even Rockaway know that. Boulevard. It was like Rockaway Boulevard now is so so much change. Like when I was there, there was maybe like a Dunkin' Donuts, a Wonder Bread, and like a bodega. Wonder Bread. Oh my god, yeah. it was old school. <laughs> yeah, and that was it. Now they got casinos, Home Depots, like a whole huge thing. Yeah, the city is a, is a wacky place. I mean, I moved here in 93, but it, it must be interesting growing up here and looking at New York now. It's It must be wild. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's drastic change. It's, it's even harder to DJ, I feel like, just because the people now didn't grow up to the music I grew up to, so it's kind of like just playing the deaf ears. Yeah. Do you think people like, uh, well, I know you're kind of playing in like some of these upscale joints. Like, do you think the people, they're obviously there because like, oh, it's a nice spot, blah, blah, blah. But do you think people, obviously the people that run these establishments want to have some sort of edge or cutting edge thing. But do you think the people who go there actually appreciate it or? I feel like if you're paying for a service, the least they could do is have entertainment for you. So it's kind of like why not you know what i mean it's not even a question of is it good or is it bad it's just like you're paying for a service we might as well throw you throw in this entertainment weekly so you you can't complain about that you know what i mean and it and it sets a vibe whether they like it or don't like it it sets a vibe so if the food is bad or the service is bad at least you like you're entertained and there's something going on right 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 what what was kind of the stuff you were growing up with in terms of uh you know your early New York days, what were you listening to? I was always listening to music. My my earliest memories of music was my babysitter in like second grade. He'd pick us up after school and we'd directly watch Video Music Box and then WWF Wrestling. Classic. <laughs> Those were like the Classic. two shows that Classic. I grew up on. Yeah, yeah. Look, kid, here. Watch yeah, some right. videos. Right. You're in second grade. Watch some videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that vividly. That was like, and then and then also, like uh, when my parents dropped me off at my uncle's house, they would just plop me in front of the TV and I'd watch VH1's like '80s music videos and then like Price Is Right. You know what I mean? Those two things <laughs> just stood out like every day, like from this time to this time. Programming, programming, programming. Over the program, yeah, yeah. So I was but you didn't. But in terms of the nightlife thing, which I, which was one of the reasons I want to interview, besides being you know a great guy, uh, is that uh, you started out as a bouncer, right? Is that how yeah, you started out doing, working in nightlife? Yeah, I was doing security for like ten years before DJing, and I was I started out in like bars and strip clubs, and then the, one of the strip clubs I was at, um, that security company got the account for Marquee in the city in like two thousand. And then, like, after that, things just changed. Like, you were just seeing celebrities and, like, just seeing a better lifestyle and nightlife with, like, a lot of legendary DJs. Like, I saw Cassidy come up and, like, like um, my guy Mel DeBarge, he used to be, like, a busboy in there. And he came up and became a big DJ now. Like, it's, it's pretty interesting. And then I'd always be, like, listening to music on all these different venues like even i was working at like latin bars and in, in queens and 
listening to all kinds of Spanish music and getting into that. And then I'd work at a, like a house bar with like playing house music and stuff and get into that. So that was really helpful. And then even like, imagine 10 years of just standing there looking at crowds without saying anything and listening. So you just get a way to read a room a lot easier. Yeah, that's what I've always thought was kind of an interesting thing in terms of someone like a bouncer or say, uh, you know, transitioning into DJing because you've seen a lot of DJs and you've you've watched how people react and right. and all that stuff. So it's kind of an interesting standpoint. It's almost like observing something for a while and then being like, all right, I could actually do this. I'm going to go. Right, right, right. You know. And um, I was always, you know, one, one thing that really saved me with the DJing is... I was a nerd about organizing music and when I was living with my parents and not paying rent. So like a lot of school nights I'd be up like on like Nah Right and Hip Hop is Red and those kind of blogs and like they would they would put out the sample album to every new album that came out if that made sense. So like if the Dre album dropped, they'll put out an album with all the samples that were used on that album. Yeah, I mean I remember those bootlegs that would come out, like yeah. Pete Streets and like Tribe Vibes, and they were all like samples from from different Tribe records and Pete Rock produced records. So right. I know they were doing vinyl bootlegs back then, but yeah, but that is also a great way to just like go backwards and and find out about like a lot of soul, jazz, all kinds of music that's been sampled. Yeah, and then as I was doing that, I'm putting it into playlists and organizing it correctly. And when it, I actually actually got the opportunity to DJ, it came a lot easier because all the music was organized. So I would just, as we were in 80s, I go to 80s and then set the BPMs in order and then just rock out. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you're kind of like compiling playlists in a way. I mean, that's an right. aspect of DJing is just the kind of nerd aspect, the organization and just kind of like knowing what you're going into with any kind of gig, like what you want to play, maybe some ideas, maybe some other random things you've picked, you know. 75% of it is all in your head, I feel like. Like just getting through the motions and figuring out what it is you want to execute, the vibe you want to set, like looking at the people and say, okay, this is how I can connect with them. And I learned that playing in context really helped. So instead of just jumping around from genre to genre, stay in the genre and kind of go down memory lane and that won them over quicker than anything else I've noticed. In terms of it just like, you know, the places you're playing at and how people react. Yeah, because like even when DJs played in marquee and stuff, the ones that's mixed well stood out to me the most because you're kind of like you can hear that next song coming in and you know what it is and it kind of builds the energy and you're like okay that feels good you know what i mean and then there'll be other djs that'll just scratch but not in a in a time where the chorus comes in you know what i mean it's just like i'm just running through records so it was like that style like a battle style almost and well, it's almost it like, like a add thing where you're just yeah, you're like just a, skipping yeah, yeah. through records which is a kind of yeah. style but sometimes it can almost be a little too much and you're not catching people because right, exactly. by the time you people might be catching on to it you've already jumped to the next song and right. i mean yeah, that can be effective i think in in bursts but sometimes i feel like you got to let certain records play a little bit right yeah you, even in a club setting you know just to let people sing along for even a verse at least and then you right know. and then i learned also at a young age once 
I got out into the DJ world that to make it in a live as a living, like to do it full time, you have to be selective of where you play. Like if you go play at a, a bar where there's a bunch of kids, no one that hears you there is going to take you somewhere to play somewhere else. You know what I mean? So like if you play by like around rich people or just adults that like music, they'd be like, oh, come play my wedding, come play my this, come play my that. You know what I mean? So I learned that really early and decided to like go down to the like the untapped markets of venues, like hotels and like lounges and like instead of just like the popular bar or the popular popular club, which is already oversaturated with so many DJs that want to play. Yeah, I mean, we're just in a different age where it's like, and I think, you know, especially even in the 90s, I was thinking like DJing could be a lot more democratic because you just have this aspect where you had to get the records and the turntables and the needles and maybe a sound system if you needed one on and all that stuff just kind of added up. And I think it was sort of like kept people from DJing per se. Because right. anytime you wanted to play something, you had to buy a record to play it. So now w when you are in kind of like a more digital age with DJing, you have people complaining, oh, there's too many DJs and all this stuff. But I do think it's also kind of nice that it makes it easier for people to DJ, you know? Like if you wanted to start DJing now, you could get a controller, you could download stuff. It's To me, it's yep. much easier to get into it than it was, say, in the 80s or 90s. You know. Definitely way easier, but I feel like a lot of those DJs that are getting into it now don't know music as well, so they can only take you so far, and they're like, you could tell the difference when a good DJ comes in a room, you know what I mean? Yeah, just having that music history, so then there's context, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because it's not always about, like, what is the latest hit. It's almost like, if anything, the music from before that kind of helps shape where people are going at anyway, so... Yeah. Even if you're playing mostly newer stuff, I still feel like it's good to have that context, that music history context. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, for people who don't know, like Marky, which was kind of like, you know, sort of semi-commercial club, but, you know, was crazy. I remember trying to like driving home because I lived in Jersey at the time in the 2000s and driving up 10th Avenue to go to uh, Lincoln, the Lincoln Tunnel. And like it would be about four 4 15 in the morning and any time that i got to around what was it like uh 10th and 27 28 28 yeah, 27 there'd be yeah. like it would be like literally four not double park like quadruple park they would be taking <laughs> up, like that play like how is that being a bouncer at that place that must have been insane i was outside too that yeah. was amazing. And it was you, like did you did you deal with and and or diss people that were like famous that you know they would just want to let in or what was the if scene I had a like recorder, because it's not like the kind of club i would go to but i i find i i, I just well, that was one of the reasons i want to talk to you i'm sure you have some stories you know <laughs> yeah it'd be it'd be like crazy nights where like you like like you and your like longest friend would go to the club and that doorman would be like you can come in but you can't Oh really? Yeah, it was like one of those sites. Leave their best friend out in the cold <laughs> just to get asked and, and the person would mark. still go in and leave their best yeah. friend. Oh, that's horrible. It's so cold. It was just like, ooh, that's how they living out here. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then like a group of girls would come out and they're kind of like flashing their tits or whatever, and they're like hand picked, like 
the best ones and then ditch the rest of them. Kind of like, horrible. Like, kind of horrible. Do you, Judy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, horrible. I told you not to wear that skirt. You know what I mean? Horrible. Horrible. See, this is why I don't go to those places. But, yeah, uh, it, it, but you that know. That was the first it, time I experienced that kind of but, lifestyle. It was just such a, like, doggy dog world. Yeah, because, I mean, especially you growing up in New York, you probably didn't go to clubs like that either, right? I, I didn't even know they existed. You yeah. Know what, I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> like, yeah, that's kind of the height cold. of the bottle service era, that kind of shit. And it was weird, too. That know? was the first time I experienced people jibber-jabbering to me like I'm their therapist or something. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know me for my hole in the wall and I'm getting all these deepest, darkest secrets. Really? It's like, <laughs> why are you telling me this? You know Try to, mean? like, I warm can't... up because if I get, you know, once we're friends, then you'll let me in because I told you about, you know, that thing with my parents. Exactly. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, I can't move from there. Like, that's my spot. So it's like, I'm just stuck there. You're listening stuck to there. <laughs> it's like, damn. <laughs> It'd be crazy. But how? So how long you been DJing now then? Uh, twelve years. Yeah, because I remember I used to see you at like Mobile Mondays a lot too. Oh yeah, that was like a big learning curve for me. Like just listening to all those DJs and like studying the music that I already had just to go deeper into those crates. That was really cool to learn. And then like the community there was so down to earth and cool. Like it was just like such a great place to be. Yeah, shouts to Ems and, and Misbehavior and Natasha, all those all the Yo, he's such an underrated DJ, Ems. Oh, yeah, Ems is nasty. Yo, people be, like, sleeping. Like, you hear his sets, you're like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah, well, I think he he worked for, I think, Loud Records back in the day. I don't remember. He worked for some hip-hop label, but uh, he used to do a regular at APT. Okay, so, yo, that's So I used to see, that's place. when I think I, I first met him. He was... Um, think he was doing something with maybe stretch armstrong or something like a how did they how did they get so many different ranges of people to come to that place like you'd be in there with wall street punk latin black asian like at at apt yeah it's such a mixed bag like how'd they pull that off i mean i think what it was is they were one of the first meatpacking district places like that was in that area they might have opened up a little bit before cielo or around the same time okay and so there wasn't and and kind of like cielo cielo was like a little bit more geared towards dance music they were maybe a little bit more geared towards like hip-hop and and funk and disco though they obviously had a lot of dance music stuff too but uh yeah i just think it was like this marketing thing where the meat patrick the meatpacking district was starting to get a little more bougie. It was kind of coming out of that sort of Jackie 60 and the cooler and the stuff that was happening in the 90s zeros when it was kind of like just more underground and it was becoming a little more bougie. And so APT kind of had this sort of like mixed thing where it kind of appealed to some of the bougie shit and they had a door person, but at the same time, they kept it very uh, musical forward. Yeah, it was so. So then you just got music heads, but then you also got people that wanted to go to like a club that you know maybe has you know kind of like a marquee thing, but maybe has more edgier music. So that's where I feel like you got those mixed crowds. You know, I mean, because you had like Bobito and some of those people doing the Mondays, which then became like sort of like a monthly with other people like Spinner and. DJ Scratch, and so you just had all these crazy resonances. Rich, right? You know, I mean, I remember when Rich started his party there, 
And the thing about APT that's a little bit different than I think clubs is that they um, they would like believe in people. So like when Rich started his Wednesday, the little Ricky's Rib Shack, it wasn't like super busy. I mean, it wasn't dead. He, he had a crowd, right. but it wasn't like so busy that, you know, but they just let him rock for six or eight months. And then it turned out to be one of the smartest things because he had that party until they closed. So right. they had a party that they would ring like a weekend ring on a Wednesday. I mean, sometimes right. that would save their ass if they didn't have a great weekend. Like right, Rich's right. night was solid, and the Monday nights were solid. So, you know, and, you know and I think it was just like you know, I just think what was nice about it, and it's kind of on that New York vibe where it's just like we're gonna play a lot of like not just like the commercial shit, but a lot of underground New York classics and right. and just straight up underground shit. And uh, would you know an equivalent to that club now or anything close to it? I don't know. I mean, I think people always are like kind of I mean, APT, I think, was continuing a kind of classic New York vibe that it's always sort of out there. And it's just sort of people are waiting for a space like that. So, you know, like, I mean, I haven't been to Dante's Hi-Fi, but I know Rich is is, is sort of Rich's thing. And the kind of stuff, yeah, he been there. the kind of stuff he books there kind of reminds me of like APT listings and stuff like that, you know, but uh Obviously, that's in Miami, not New York. I don't know. You know, I mean, you tell me. Do you do you ever kind of experience that stuff in New York? Um, public Records was really cool. They they had a good line of, of DJs, and the vibe there was really nice. I don't know how deep they went into hip hop, but like just the musical and the sound and everything was really good. Uh, yeah, they're booking a lot of good people. There's a lot of like uh, listening clubs opening up nowadays. Like record room and like, I think I think the sound systems have gotten better. I remember moving yeah. here in the '90s, and uh, I thought New York had so many terrible places sound wise. And I think right. part of it was people would just always be dialing three one one with like noise complaints. So then clubs would just not put subs in, right. you know, so that it wouldn't go through the walls. And I just I I distinctly remember playing at all these places downtown in the '90s, like quite a few of them had terrible sound but i think yeah, part true. of it was just they didn't want the neighbors complaining or whatever right. you know but i think there's been a general upswing in the last several decades where you know you got like these sort of higher end sound systems function one or void or some of these like festival type sound systems and then people put them in clubs and you know i think there's a you know new york always i felt and you can chime on this obviously um I always felt like New York had a sort of like uh, they were kind of at war with the clubs and the the government and the cops. They never really respected it and they never really respected just the crazy club club culture and club history New York had. And so they were always like shutting down clubs and Giuliani during the whole no dancing era. But now I think like after many, many years, they're starting to realize, oh, there's cities like Berlin that celebrate their whole club history maybe we should do that because of course there's tons of tourists and people who come to new york to go out so it's like why why be why be at war with these people i mean again if you're on some 1950s purism shit you you know and you think oh it's so hedonistic or whatever but you know i mean i think on a whole it's like why go against what is a part of new york history yeah i feel like new york is definitely changed after the pandemic. Like everything closes at two o'clock now. 
like people don't really dance as much as they used to. It's more like a standing around socializing thing. I've noticed. Yeah, I feel like New York, the pandemic was kind of hard on uh, people cu- cutting out because that was one of the other things, too, you know, growing up in L.A. and then moving to New York. It's like, oh, everything's open till four or even later. And I right. always love that. And I spent many, many times in like the wee hours, either at clubs or afters. And I feel I am New York noodle towns, noodle town. Wolves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's where you end up or the bagel place that opens up at five thirty or something. Right. And you just have those nights, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a little bit older too, but at the same time, yeah, I don't think like, it seems like the, the crowds thin out around two now, you know, yeah, like they don't really quite go as hard till four. You know, Definitely I don't not. know. Even the establishments, like the the restaurants and the after hour places, things aren't the same. And then like the music that is played, like I remember when I'm growing up or even working in security, you'd hear at least five genres of music in a night. Now it's just like two at best. Right. You mean in terms of it just having it be like a straight house kind of four on the floor? Yeah, it'd be just open format. It'd be like house, reggae, disco hip-hop you know what i mean now it's just like trap afrobeat and like reggaeton maybe (laughs) (laughs) or not even reggaeton not even reggaeton bad bunny just bad bunny (laughs) yeah why is it now that's just funny that bad bunny is almost like in the 90s you would just make jokes about people constantly requesting madonna or something right i feel like bad bunny and i i feel almost like it's not even his fault per se. I mean, you know, like some of the music he makes is better than other. It's it can, it, it's not horrible. It's not the worst commercial music, but I just right. think it's just so funny that why does everybody want Bad Bunny? And I guess I, I got to give him props. He obviously has pull. Like yeah, people yeah. want to hear his shit. It's kind of wild, man. I don't know. It's crazy to me though when you play like I'll play a, a B cut of his. And then somebody will come up requesting Bad Bunny. I'm like, this is Bad Bunny? <laughs> I mean, that's the classic shit that even when, you know, the requests were better, like in the 90s, if I was playing like a James Brown B-side and then people are like, oh, can you play James Brown? Which I always like laughed at. But I think what it is, is that you're triggering someone's subconscious by right. playing it. And it's like, oh, this sounds like James Brown or this sounds like Bad Bunny. I'm going to request Bad Bunny. But it's right, right, it's right. like the it's like the sort of classic faux pas because it's like you're requesting somebody that you don't even know their catalog. Right, right, so right. So why are you even coming up making a request in the first place? I don't know. It's baffling. The things I hate, too, about requests is it's never in context of what you're doing. It's right. like... You, you could be playing reggae and they're like, yo, can I get Britney Spears? It's like so left field. It's just like, how do I work that in? Yeah. Well, I think there's there's an, a sense of, you know, just literally a sense of entitlement. I think yeah. with a lot of people who make requests, you know, no offense to all y'all, but actually there is offense. I am kind of tired of requests, you know, maybe it's just too many years in the game, but it's like. You know, like I requested a wedding or whatever when people are paying you crazy money. But if you're if you're making like random change at a club gig, it, it's like it's, it, you know, it's kind of annoying. I don't know. I mean, sometimes my, my, what, what's your take on requests? Actually, my, my go to line is even jukeboxes get paid. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think the going rate should be a hundred dollars a request. I think you well, know something. it's like it's like inflation is is hit everybody, and now requests are a hundred dollars. And I you think don't even ask your name anymore. Kind of slow, yeah. You used, to, you used to get the conversation going or something. Right, right. Like, how's how's your like, evening? You know. Straight requests. <laughs> there is kind of an entitlement thing, and I think that whole concept of sometimes when people making requests of not even with what is in jive of what you're playing and the vibe at all. I think it's a certain sense where sometimes people are like, they come, I've, I've seen people do this sometimes where they just come in and just within five minutes go to the DJ booth and right. make a request. And it's just like, why don't you sit and listen and just see what the vibe is for a minute? Right. You know? But again, I just feel like you're. There's, it's just always going to come up. It's just that thing that I think people um have just gotten used to they're just yeah. like oh it's a dj he takes requests da 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 it's like this kind of thing you know <laughs> i don't know i mean it's just it's such like a, a sort of like but I, I i've always felt like you know it'd be funny to do like some sort of joke tiktok thing but yeah no i always thought it would be fun like one of the kind of the stupid funny sketch to just by be like what if you went to other jobs or professions and treated them like you treated DJs? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know, if you went up to Macy's and went to the salesperson and be like, do you have anything good? Like, right. Do you have anything good at all? You know, like the, there's, I don't know, just some of these, I think part of the reason I get a little acidy around people making requests is just like, it's just a lot of them can be complete assholes. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to kick somebody. I mean, I rarely kick people out because I bartended for many years. So you have to really piss me off, like just not leave me alone. And this right. woman, this woman, I forgot what I was playing. It was like, you know, Friday night. She's like, you know, I don't think this song slaps like it used to. I'm like, all right. What what am I what? supposed to do with that information? What, what oh. song was it? <laughs> it was uh, Snitches. You know, Nipsey Hussle and Snoop and all that stuff. Okay. Snitches ain't, I forget. Okay. Snitches ain't shit. I forget <laughs> the name of the song. Anyways, it's not that important. It's like, yeah, I'm an old man. I don't have the newest shit. You figured me out. Probably a lot of my shit doesn't slap like it used to. You know? That's what, like, what, the, what the fuck? And then she kept going. She kept saying it like three times. So I'm like, okay, I heard you the Every third. song? No, no. Just like she just state, you know, like these people, they want some sort of thing from you. I don't know what. And I'm like, okay, I heard you the third time. Then she starts flipping me off and just losing it. You, you, should, you should pat yourself down. Like, hold on. I'm looking for the dance button. <laughs> <laughs> See? I don't know, man. I bring out these bad reactions in people because I'm just like, I'm kind of almost done with the jokes even. Like, I'm not trying to joke with you. I, I don't like you. Yeah, at a certain point, <laughs> like, I just try to set a vibe then to play the current hit. Right, I mean, right, right. Put the vibe into some, like, a beat or, like, you can, you can at least feel the energy in the room instead of, oh, I know the song, I know the song, I know the song. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and I think what's kind of interesting in a bad way is that people really just gravitate to stuff that they know and then if you have those personalities that are kind of uptight and they have to like they come into a place and they have to right hear something and then they have to let you know that you know right again i mean i didn't want to be a bitching session about requests I, I so i think most people if you're at a club just stay away from the dj let them do their job like if it's your wedding or you paid a lot of money 
to hire said DJ, that's fine. But it's I think a lot of yeah. times the attitude is they act like they're paying you several thousand dollars, like they DJ'd your wedding, except they haven't. They're just some next random time, person next at time the club. People come up to you, you, you know? say, "Hey, how, how much did you pay to get in here?" Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> how much did it you pay? You you, how did you pay? How much did you pay me directly? To play yeah, right? song? I know. Yeah, even even jukeboxes get money. <laughs> Right. I know. Like, take take notes. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's a funny thing like that. Could, but like I said, I think it just goes back to these old traditions and people don't realize how obnoxious they come off because it's like it's my yeah. birthday. You're going to play that. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> right. exactly. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a funny profession. But you've, you've carved out a you've carved out a, a niche. You know what I'm saying? Like doing these gigs and what Yo, it, it I know. Toll, you, though, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, tell, tell tell us about DJing out like, there. Like, like playing uh, playing to a room that doesn't dance for nine years, ten years is kind of like starts to get to you. You just like, does music even work anymore? You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a fucked up social experiment, I guess. Because yeah, especially exactly, if you right. grew up being around right. parties, going to clubs, working these clubs, seeing everybody coming, dancing, responding to the music, and then your own DJ gigs are. These kind of, I mean, it's a good gig, but it's also like the people are kind of apathetic. It kind of, it yeah. could be a little soul. Well, I know you did that thing recently. I think you were opening up for Spina, right? The Juneteenth thing. Yo, that was such a like. Was that reaffirm like life reaffirming? You know, it was. It was. It was. It was weird because I'm a nobody in that scene. You know what I mean? So it was like the sound guy kind of kind of muted me. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Because because you weren't Spinner or whatever, so he yeah, he gets he gets a louder on, thing, and then it's all yeah, of a sudden it's like five, on, like, five ten dBs is, later. Yeah, I'm just like what? See, that's another thing. The opening DJ, they're like, yeah. keep him low, keep him low. Yeah, you keep know? him low. He's just keep playing some background shit. Fuck, yeah, this, exactly. fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. Right. <laughs> and we had like a full on conversation. I got there an hour early. He of said, course, because you're a pro. Because you're a fucking yeah. pro. I'm, I'm just like, like I'm thinking we're cool. You know what I mean? And then it's just like, what? <laughs> that system goes that loud? <laughs> it was funny, yeah. But you were doing, what were you doing? You were doing that, like, house party thing at Webster Hall for a while. You were in, like, the... Oh, yeah, that was you were in like the sort of old school hip hop room, or what? How was that? So it was kind of like an interesting party because they had like four different vibes where they yeah, had that like was dance really... hall, like kind of yeah. main floor hip hop, and then I, I remember my friend Dirty South Joe sometimes would be playing in the basement. Oh, in the that, basement. That was more like almost like Baltimore Breaks and Jersey mm. Club and booty shit. And then you right. were kind of in the sort of 90s, 2000s hip hop, or how would you describe right. that? Yeah, it was it was very it was supposed to be like eighties and nineties, but the crowd was so young that you had to like bump it up to like the two thousands. Yeah, exactly. It was such a difficult set to play because it's so it was so like nitpicky. Like you play one song off and the room would empty out quick. You know what I mean? Because they have so many options and the attention span is so low. So you'd really have to nitpick every song that you played in those rooms. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that, like, uh, is also another thing for DJing is when you feel like you just, you play one song that's off and you can lose the room. And it, it is, it's a lot of thinking because, you, yeah. you know, you have to kind of keep, it's like, okay, this song's working. Now I got to think of another song that's also going to keep these fickle ass motherfuckers on the floor, you know? Yeah, one time we had a guest and 
I guess they haven't played in the room or even been hanging out in the room to see how it goes. Yeah, because you have to know the party, you know? Yeah. And they came on, and it was just, like, two songs in, and, like, the mop guy was there sweeping the floor. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Literally. I'm not lying. Like, literally. The mop guy was like, yo, the floor's empty? Fuck it. Let me just go clean it real quick. (laughs) It was, like, crickets. Yeah, I mean, there's a real skill in that where it's almost like knowing what people know and then you have your taste, so then you're trying to guide people. But you also have to work within that framework. You can't just play any random shit that you like. Right, It doesn't yeah. necessarily... you. So, I mean, I think that's annoying thing also with the request, too, sometimes. It's like, yo, we're trying. We are actually trying to figure yeah. out your psyche, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> You should be therapist, man. I don't know. <laughs> is that your next? That's your next. Uh, your next thing after this. You know? My retirement plan is to open a toy store and sell all these toys. <laughs> <laughs> and you collect like vintage clothes too, right? Like a lot of eighties, nineties. Not like, as you, much anymore. Yeah, because like, I remember I you're like, collecting like cross yeah. colors and some of that shit. The vintage shit. Yeah, it's just it's just I kind of grew out of it, but I still right. have like, some pieces and stuff. But like, it might be a racket in the toy store. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, tell me some more. Like, what what are the kind of stuff that you like to listen to at home or in terms of not just, like, Yo, prepping for these gigs? Like, what, what's been kind of, like, on your radar? Right now, I've noticed that I'm, like, I have a lot of free time in the daytime to be searching for music, but when you get to the real world to play it out, it goes over the head. It's just, like, I just wasted all this time looking for music. So now I pretty much have all the music that I need and then if I go out and hear another DJ or a song hits me in a store or something, I'll shazam it and then go down the rabbit hole to see more about that. But like, as for being home, I'm not looking or listening to music. Like, I just like you kind of need out. a break from, from yeah, from yeah. The work. Yeah, because you, know. you burn yourself out and then you're just like hating it. Yeah, sometimes you need that silent time. You know, yeah. Even if I've, I've just DJ for five or six hours, and it's like I'm in the car, I just have the air conditioner on or something. Right. Exactly. It's like I actually don't need to hear anything right now. But, <laughs> right. Anything. But yeah, and that's the other thing too. Sometimes I mean, I still that's part of the reason I I've done radio for many years, just to have that outlet to play more esoteric stuff. Because yeah, if you feel like you're collecting all this dope shit, but you don't have an audience that's going to appreciate it, and then you don't play it as much. It sort right. of slips out of your consciousness, or even, as you said, the sort of uh, the desire to keep digging because you're right. like, okay, I can keep digging up all this rare shit that I won't be able to play at my gig, you know? Right. Or, or I could play it and people are not going to get it per se. Right. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's a job, so you have to kind of cater to the your audience, or you can't do it. You can't DJ professionally. You know what I mean? You could do it as a hobby. And just play whatever you want. But like if you want to be full time DJing, you gotta like play what they wanna hear or something that even if it's like a remix of something they wanna hear that satisfies you, but like it's like a give and take. You can't just go down your lane and stay there all night. Yeah, because in the end, like if I like love like weird obscure 60s 70s new orleans funk 45s and you have a bunch of people in their 20s on a friday night right (laughs) at a place i mean those that doesn't make those records any less it's just that's not the time to play them yeah you know and it doesn't mean that you have to play five bad bunny songs in a row but that is a sort of like where do you meet these people halfway where 
you're not going to drive them out of the room. Because in the end, I've bartended too, and so it's not like I don't want the people working there to not make any money just because I'm having some sort of self-indulgent right, DJ right. moment where I'm like, fuck you, I'm just playing what I do. <laughs> right. Even though I, sometimes I feel like that after certain encounters. I'm like, I really right. don't care if any of you or all of you leave, but it's, again, not not the ideal DJ attitude, I guess. Right. <laughs> it is a business at the end of the day. <laughs> I mean, but I guess if you're doing these kind of gigs that are sort of like, it is what it is, do you still then try to seek out those sort of more fun gigs or things where you can play a more underground set or how are you kind of looking at DJing at this point? It's weird. I'm kind of, me personally, I feel like I'm kind of like, I don't have, re- I have relationships to say hi to people, but I don't have relationships where they're inviting me to come play with them. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I'm like the outcast of the the community, but like, <laughs> I don't know. You put me in there, I'm gonna do my job. You know what I mean? I, don't know if I call you outcast, man. It's a little brutal, <laughs> little brutal. Because like even that 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 spinner event, it was just kind of like, who's this guy? He's playing some interesting shit. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you are a good it's DJ. Muffled. Yeah, it's like it's muffled, but you know it's what I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of low. Maybe turn him up a little bit, but. Uh... <laughs> It is funny it's how funny. they do that, man. It is funny. Even, it's so wait, fucked when, up. when's the last time you heard like some of like the legends play? I don't want to say names, but like the 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 famous DJs. Like, when's the last time you actually went out and heard them spin? Um, I mean, I try to catch stuff online sometimes if I can't go out because now that I'm living upstate, you know, right. um, I'm sort of in the city, in and out. And so then I tend to go to my gigs that I go to, but you know, are, are you still impressed by their sets, or are you like, eh? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there was okay. definitely a few people like at APT that were uh, a little bit disappointing when you finally saw them, but there was also lots of people that blew my mind too. Right. You know, okay. I mean, I remember uh, Negro Clash. That was like Dwayne and Language and Lindsay's party, and they brought out Mantronics. And, you oh, know, okay. of course, it's like had all those Mantronics records and all the ones he produced for like Tila Rock and all this shit. So I was pretty excited to see him. But he was pretty terrible, at least at the oh, time. Yeah. Maybe. yeah, I know. It was, I mean, I think you, he was playing like even he was playing like a mix CD and pretending to mix at one point. It was no, like it really bad. <laughs> yes. Really? Yes. Damn, that sucks. So it's like occasionally. But uh, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I don't know. It's like I don't really care about big name commercial DJs, but then people okay. who I think that happen to have a name, but I like what they do and I think what they do are good, like Spina. I mean, I'll, I'll go try to catch him when I can. But uh, again, okay. you know, sometimes you get tied in your life. I mean, what's funny is Emski. You know, he's always posting good shit on Instagram, but he posted this post like, when's the last time you saw a D you went and saw a DJ play? And it's sort of like one of those things where as DJs, especially if you're working a lot, you can get and then you have tons of music, you can get very much wrapped up in your own head. And then yeah. you actually don't go out and see shit. And as a lot of people commented on that thread and I post reposted as well, it's like a lot of people are like, yeah, that's actually how I stay as a better DJ. You know, it's because and, and like you said, we were talking about going out to Mobile Mondays and seeing all those guest DJs that would roll through there. I mean, that to me is how you become a better DJ. Yeah, definitely. Have you been checking out the Wednesdays at uh, Virgin Hotel? No, no, who's doing Soul it? Soul the Horn people. Oh, okay, cool. They do a Wednesday there. Lindsay just played it, too. Okay. 
Yeah, I yeah, play. I played like, like one sort of one-off night there, but I didn't realize they were doing every Wednesday there. Yeah, they do it every Wednesday. You should check it out. It's nice. Nice. Where else? Um, what's that room on Avenue C? New Blue. New Blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah Studio One Fifty One. Yeah, yeah. Studio One Fifty One. Yeah. yeah, I play. I play there first Fridays, so I'm there on oh, the regular. Cool. But that's a great spot. They've been having. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. No, I know they had like Large Professor and like the the raw like sushi dudes have been doing some right, yeah, parties yeah, yeah. there. They brought out. I forget some Japanese kind of beat dude, but they had, but they was sort of they stacked the lineup with like Boogie Blind and yeah, yeah, I remember dudes, that. I was Coco, rocking, rocking Rob or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Did yeah. you go to that night? I wish I would. I was working, but that, that looked magical that night. Yeah, yeah. no. So I mean, that's the thing is like you know these things still happen in New York, and I mean I, I give big shouts out to Ilhan and all the crew at New Blue. Like you just need those club owners that give a shit. And right, that, yeah, that are yeah. like he's a sax he's a saxophonist and he's a musician. Right. So he gets it, you know. Right. And I think that's the kind of thing is that sometimes, you know, you got these club owners that maybe they came into a lot of money, they wanna like open up a club, do their drugs, you know, meet people, whatever, be the quote unquote man or something. And so then music really isn't the priority then. Right. If it's I've just like an image lately. thing, you know, and, and then like who has the money to open up a place and are they actual music people? Right. You know, because you're fucking opening up a music venue. Maybe you should give a shit about music. Right. <laughs> true. That is true. As opposed to like, I'm going to make all this money and get all these bodies in and just be popular. I noticed know, I know now know? like mediocre is becoming the norm nowadays. You really like, think so? Like the bare minimum, if I can do that and get away with it, they're just going to do it that way. Like. The sound system, oh, there's a speaker, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I, I did my part. <laughs> I mean, I think there is places, like you said, that are opening up where the sound is better. But I, I do think, like, yeah, there's just an aspect of that sometimes where, you know. And it's crazy, too. Like, you'll open a spot like that, and then, like, you'll be, like, your vinyl only. Like, only the purest. And then, like, you bring these guys in, like, here's 200 bucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, not only that, it's like vinyl only, but then it also sounds like shit. And it's like, oh, what's right. the point of having like a vinyl only place if your sound system is shit? It's, isn't that right. like go against the whole shit? Might as well be playing like 128K MP3s, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like, what does it matter if the sound system shit that you're playing it on vinyl, you're playing it on the computer? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like. And and I, I mean, as much as I love vinyl and still collect it and play it, it's also like one of those things where people get in this purist, like it sounds better. Okay, if it sounds better, you have to have a decent sound system. Dude. Right. You know what if, I mean? Even put the it, way they put play it on it. a system then. If it sounds so much better, then fucking have a real system in your place, you know? I feel like crowds too have so much ADD, like playing a whole record is kind of just like, what? What's going on in here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where, what do you think? Cra- what, yeah, so I mean, what do you think of crowds these days? And do you think they're just like? I mean, I guess I know. Like I said, the place you're playing, it's you know, they're not always responding, but like, so I, I really feel like just people in general. Because I played at another place um, on a rooftop, and I uh, had my cousin come in, and he's a violinist, and he played with me. Oh, that's cool. And people are looking at him like he's obstructing their view or some shit. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> damn, like. Like, I feel like they're still traumatized from the pandemic. Like, they spent two years of not socializing, so it's kind of like they don't know how to get back into it. And, like, seeing a live performance is, like, supposed to get you going. 
And the fact that it didn't really shocked me. You know what I mean? I was just like, wow, it's like it's really hurting out here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a different New York. I mean, I definitely think, and that's part of the reason I'm even upstate, is that the rents are just so crazy. Oh, and I think, the rents. Yeah, I mean, I was yeah. talking to someone as I was waiting to play in Williamsburg at my spot that I play at, and uh, at Union Pool or whatever, and they, this dude was just casually, he was a nice enough guy, he wasn't even a dick, but I was just chatting with this guy for a few minutes, and he's paying like 3300 for a studio in Williamsburg. You wow. know, I mean, he's in consulting, so I don't know what he does, how much money he makes, but it's just, it seems like the New York that I moved here in the mid 90s, where I could bartend, make my rent in a couple of days, spend the right. rest of my money, which because my rent was cheap, lived on Ninth and C, spent a good amount of my days just buying records on the street, right. used record stores, like partying, hanging out again after hours. I don't know. It just seems like. Again, I don't want to be that old guy that's like, it was better back in my day. But it it just seems like the, the rents have made it a little more ruthless and a little... Like, like I, I moved to New York. I didn't really have a job. I didn't really know anyone. I was like 21. Right. And I was able to live in the East Village. And I just don't think I could do that, the equivalent yeah, of definitely. that, of like, oh, I dropped out of college. I'm going to move to New York and live in the East right. Village and pay $3,300 for a studio. And like work at a bar realize, or work at a cafe. Like, that's just not going to happen, you know, yeah, for people not. now, you know. And people don't realize that 3500 is a mortgage. You know what I mean? Like, you can actually Buy a pay place. A something. You know what I mean? You're just throwing that money away every month, not only getting a paper receipt. That's it. So when it's time to retire, you're just going to be like... But I, I think that's what it is. It's like a temper. It's just maybe they don't see themselves in New York forever either. So, like, I'm making all this crazy money. I'm going to live in a neighborhood where there's lots of nightlife, even if said neighborhood has now gone right. up in rent price. A thousand. I mean, for us, if we've been here forever, we're like, that's fucking ludicrous. But yeah, if it's ridiculous. someone who's just moved here and they're making stupid money, they may just be like, all right, I don't know how long I'm going to live in New York, but I'm going to party and whatever so who cares what i'm paying rent but i i definitely think it kind of translates into the music and the attitude towards the music a little bit you know yeah definitely you're just not getting like getting a a crowd or like a vibe or like what now is upstate because shorty was telling me like they're opening spots and having like venues and djs and like is it like getting going up there? I mean, there is vibes up there. I mean, even before, like, you know, I mean, I've only been up there like six months, so I'm still trying to figure it out a little bit. But there's a place in Hudson called Half Moon that has a lot of cool shit. This okay. place in Catskill, which is the town across from Hudson, has a place called Avalon. So they have some cool parties. They have this uh, crew is a community rave action network or something like that. But they're kind of oh, cool. like a local electronic crew up there and they had like you know like they're sort of like ethos in the bathroom walls and just very kind of like old school kind of plural like peace love unity respect type of rave crew so that's kind of cool that that stuff's up there because you kind of think like i don't know you're a little bit you know not in the middle of nowhere but sort of in between like say albany and new york so there's not like tons of big like kingston is a decent sized city but yeah, and then I know, like, they do some oh, stuff at Basilica. Yeah, no, the crowd was cool. Like I said, I've I, sometimes I'm working in the city, so I've but I, I that was one of the things I, I've 
been trying to do is that, well, if I do want to DJ up here or see what's going on, it's kind of in lieu of that post I was talking about before, then it's like, yeah, I got to go check DJs out here and check what's going on. And there's actually a surprising amount of people that I know from New York that have, you know, beat me to the punch and moved up there like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, five years ago. So there's definitely musicians and DJs and stuff up there. It's just like, it's a little more rural. The cops are very ruthless about like DUIs and stuff. Like I've been pulled over twice. Get this because my license plate light wasn't bright enough. Oh, wow. I never even fucking heard of this shit. (laughs) They just find an excuse. But then they don't actually write you a ticket. They just lean in. Right, they pull right. you over, try to sniff if you've been drinking. They're just right. trying to get DUIs. But I think right. what it did, like, you know, Tannersville, which is the town next to Hunter Mountain where Shorty plays, and I play our friend DJ Shorty, and I played this place up there. Um, but, they, you know, I've been talking to some locals in Hudson, like this, you know, plumber guy that worked on our house for a bit who used to party in the 80s and 90s up here. So he was telling okay. us all these stories, and he basically was saying that the cops basically, there used to be like 10, 15 bars in Tannersville. And I even remember snowboarding in the late 90s, and I even DJed up there once, you know, because okay. you know, some friends arranged something, and there was like places up there, and it's just like nothing now. you oh, know. Wow. So I feel like, you know, you have like Avalon, you have places, and there's cool shit, but you just have to be careful of like, how do you get home? There's not necessarily Ubers like in the city. So, gotcha. you know, I just end up having like maybe one drink at the beginning of the night. That, that might be up. a business. You know, well, that's why me and Shorty. No, I hear been talk- right there. Me and Shorty have been talking about quitting DJing and just getting a shuttle bus. We're just driving right? people around, you know? For real. <laughs> Like, because if you're drunk and you can't get home and there's no Uber, they can call you. I mean, if you're if you're if you're just dealing with these shitty people with shitty requests anyway, just become a just become a cab driver. You know, maybe that's the full circle. Yeah, I used to DJ all these rocking parties, and I got sick of people. (laughs) So I decided to just drive them home. So just drive them home. I don't know, man. We're still, you I still become tr- rich from that. You're like, what the fuck? I, I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, it is, man. It's just, it's always just like one hustle to the next. You know, right? But um, you still doing boom boom room? No. What happened? They just stopped doing stuff there. Uh, yeah, they basically just private events. Well, they they just do private events. So that's okay. another thing. Like, see, what I used to bartend for. So that was like, I mean, I DJed and bartend really kind of around the same time. But I always made more money bartending, and the job was way more stable. You know, right. because like, if you basically are not a drug addict, you show up to your shifts and you don't steal, right? You know, then you're probably not going to get fired, right? Right. You know what I mean? Whereas like with DJing. Oh, we're switching up the vibe. Oh, now my cousin's the manager and he's going to bring in his right, people right. or this and that. So there's always like some kind of like switch up sometimes. I mean, if you have like a nice residence, residency, I mean, I spun it. Yeah. The boom, boom room for four or five years, but then the pandemic hit. And then after right. the pandemic, you know, they got some other hotel owners that maybe weren't tied to the vibe of the room as it, right. you know, cause when it first opened, I think that guy, Andre Balaz or whatever his name is from, you know, the standard group. He was a big jazz head. And I think his mom played piano sometimes there. Oh, cool. In in her 90s. I think she she was like a stride piano player. 
Oh, nice. So in between all the jazz acts, sometimes it would be dude's mom, you know? So I oh, feel cool. like he almost like built the vibe, at least the early vibes of that, you know, like the early evening vibes where it was mostly jazz. And I think there was almost like a homage to her in a way, you nice. know? But then when as you know, and I, I guess he got kind of me too in terms of being, yeah, I guess he was kind of a douchebag. So I'm not trying to like give this guy complete props, you know? But right. because he got pushed out and then this other hotel group kind of took it over, that's when I'm, they're like, all right, you know, we can make more money doing private events, so we're just going to do private events. And that's, again, what I'm talking about, where it's like when you have people that are less concentrated into the music, right? then it's just a business to them. And then it's like, right. okay, how much, okay, who cares that, you know, you can actually hear some really dope jazz because we can make more money just doing corny private events you right. know so that's what happens sometimes with these rooms i think they just mediocrity soaks in <laughs> i mean because you can make more money you know yeah. and, and that's in the end it's like the best i think of clubs is nobody looks at it like a charity but at least the owners want to have fun and do something right. cool while they make money but then right. you have owners that just don't give a fuck they just right. want to make money they want to move the decibel along. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, I think like for a lot of my gigs, you know, like sometimes the weddings and stuff, you're not always playing shit you particularly like, but you get paid well. But I feel like if you're not getting paid like wedding money, I don't want to play gigs at this point where I just absolutely hate the music I play. Right, you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah, you can throw people a bone, but. Like, you still generally enjoy what you play, right? Well, me, I could do whatever I want, so I can I can get by it and I enjoy it. But just the fact that I can't get a head nod or a foot tap or a shoulder lean, I'm Start, just like... starting to bother you. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. I mean, maybe you just got to have those gigs mixed in so you don't get so burnt. Because I felt like if I only did weddings and stuff, I would my, I might got burned out on DJing. You yeah, know, but on those a certain gigs level. suck up all my good time. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can't play a Friday or Saturday night because I'm working there, you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. I tried to start a party on a Wednesday, but like it was just like pulling teeth. I think I think in the same vein as you said as people not going out as much, I think it's also like when I first moved to New York, you know, that was the irony is the weekends were so shot that Thursdays, Mondays and Thursdays were some of the best nights to go out. In like the yeah 90s. yeah definitely yeah you definitely. know because ah, the Thursdays were like okay you're not going to deal with all the quote unquote bridge and tunnel people though right. I think what's kind of the irony now is the bridge and tunnel people have moved to New York and have taken over New York and exactly kicked, and yeah. kicked everyone out now we're yep. now we're the bridge and tunnel people right, because exactly. we can't afford to freaking live here anymore and they didn't grow up to the music so it's kind of exactly. like exactly what are we doing here that's a definitely perfect example of what's going on now in the city. Yeah, like if you want to have like culture and fun, you have to go to like Brooklyn or like outside of Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the whole thing is Manhattan has kind of been fried. I call it the McDougalization of New York. The mid what? McDougal. You know McDougal Street. Oh yeah, so it's yeah, the yeah. McDougalization because <laughs> okay. because when I first moved to New York in like ninety three, ninety four, that was like where all the corny. You know, Red Lion, all those places are still there, but you know, they have like right. jam bands and horrible NYU frat people. Right. And so the East Village was still cool. 
like, but then the McDougalization, McDougal Street spread to the East Village. Now it's right. on the first and second L stops. So now you actually right. have to go farther out into Bushwick and Ridgewood, I think, to yeah, kind of like get to kind of get now. those to kind of get those '90s East Village vibes. You have to go out, yeah, that's like to a club deeper Brooklyn and whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of clubs popping up in that neighborhood. That Bushwick Red Hook area is like a little club district. Ridgewood, you mean? Like Ridgewood and Bushwick, like those outskirts there, that's yeah. like a whole club district. Like there's like nine clubs next to each other. Well, I think what it is too, it's like you have to get places that have like if the rents are so crazy in Manhattan, it kind of kills the artistic shit. Because yeah. again, who yeah. has the money to open up a club? Like a place like New Blue is almost grandfathered in because they've been there for twenty two, twenty five right. years. But yeah. you know, for anybody that's just starting out, like let's say you wanted to open up a nightclub in the East Village now. I mean, it's going to take so much money that you may not try to do something underground or interesting right. because you have to make sure you're getting your investors' money back or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's true. So I feel like then it goes out more into the outskirts where maybe you can get a space for cheaper and those people are more like our people, that kind of old school yeah. vibe. like. And like, yeah, everyone, no one wants to lose money and work hard. But at the same time, like, do we need another very typical commercial space in New York? I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll always be open anyway, so we don't need another one, you know. But do you feel like when you move out to the outskirts to play, they pay you what you're worth? Well, I mean, some gigs you do more for the fun. Like, yeah, maybe right. it's not like you're making crazy money. Uh, but I don't know. As as you were kind of talking about, sometimes I do some of these gigs for my sanity. You know, all oh, right for your sanity, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and you still make a little bit of money. Or that was even like the radio show on FMU. You know, because it's like you just have to have an outlet. Because I think what happens when you are constantly entertaining people, you forget about why you even started DJing in right. the first place. Like you, what? Right. Why did you start DJing? Because you listen to music, you loved music, you want to do something. But then you kind of get into these wormholes of having these kind of gigs for a while. And it can be a little soul-sucking. And you have yeah, to kind definitely. of, I feel like you have to remind yourself, oh, yeah, I love music. I don't want to be sick of music. This is what right. I love doing, you know? That's true. Yeah, I definitely got to find some more, like, uh, soul-lifting gigs. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. And as you said, like when you were saying like, oh, I'm the outcast. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> funny. You're a nice guy. You're not an outcast. But I mean, beyond no, I am, but it's just like. But I mean, those... I think no, I was going to say is I think DJs can get clicked out for sure. And that's part of the reason that I have thrown my own parties over the years, because I was like, I'm getting sick of trying to get booked at some of these parties. So I'm just right. going to throw my own party. Fuck y'all. Right. You know? Yeah, that's true. I know you, me and Shorter, we still got to do something. You know, maybe upstate or something, but uh, that would, yeah, uh, you know, you know, again, it's like sometimes it's like the schedules and all that stuff. I know you're a busy man. I feel like if you guys started, I'll call out, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know we got to get you, man. You're the man. Um, but yeah, you know, it's that's that's another thing too. As you were saying before, you know, you're digging, you go down these wormholes, you find all this cool stuff, but then you don't always feel like ah, they're just not gonna appreciate it. Right? Yeah, it's kind of a <laughs> shitty feeling, you know. I remember one time too, I was working at these houses and like, I found like a DJ played a sample that I couldn't find for the life of me. I couldn't get it. It took me a year to find it, 
And then I play it out, and this girl comes over to me like, yo, what was what was that? And I'm just like, yo, it took me a year to find this. Like, I don't want to give this to you right now. <laughs> it's just like still covering up. Let me cover yo, this shit up. I'm scratching, yeah, yeah. I'm scratching off the label of this MP3. <laughs> you can't read it. It was that was just so like hard for me to do. I was like, ouch. The work that went into finding this thing. It was crazy. Yeah, man. Well, uh, you know, we've been talking for about an hour. I don't know. Um anything else that you wanted to share? Some insights? What are um, how, how should people treat DJs? How should they treat tip, bouncers? Tip, tip your DJs. I love that. I love Listen. that. Show them you're appreciated. You know what I mean? Tap a foot, <laughs> not a head. You know what I mean? Tap your foot. <laughs> you're not really. You're not really asking for much at this point. Not much. You know what I mean? It's a bare minimum. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's always any any advice on toy collecting? Like, what, um, what are some of the stuff that you like, or or is it like some of your Grail pieces? I feel like you want to sell it before your customer forgets about it or doesn't even know about it anymore you know what i mean like you could hold on to things for so long and then when you go to sell it it's like no one even knows what that is you know what I mean? uh, so, so there's kind of like a vibe there's kind of like a uh you know an ebb and flow of like what's in with these yeah, toys. yeah. Oh, okay. okay you got to be aware of that because like you'll get like pushed out almost and it's just like oh nobody remembers what this toy is to even sell it to right 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 yeah, so do you so look you at know. it as like buying and selling? Like is it an investment or is it just kind of fun? Well, for me, it's fun. So like, I have so many toys from like 80s and 90s that I don't even care if anyone knows it, but I just grew up on it. So I just right. So that you're like, it. I need yeah. to get that because I grew yeah. up. I saw that cartoon or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like you still got to be smart to be like, all right, the Star Wars and the Marvel and those things are still popular. I like those two. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's funny. So you have like some of those old Star Wars figures then? Not not so much Star Wars, but I have like one or two, but like that market is such a behemoth. It's kind of hard to even jump in there because like... Well, there's like endless like things, things, right? I mean, yeah, that's one I, thing that Lucasfilm was kind of smart about. It's like, I think he was, I think he even negotiated that where it's like, okay, you know, with the studios, you get some of the film, but I keep all the marketing and yeah, then, yeah and, marketing. Then, and then you just get endless star wars tours you know yeah that that world is so huge it's ridiculous yeah that's wild man well anyways um thanks for talking man yeah great thanks talk for doing... i can't wait to play with you again, yeah man. i know we got to get that together to hear the exclusive stark reality playlist from dj huggy bear a masterfully mixed 45 minute set of disco edits and classics go to episode 58 of stark reality for more information on dj huggy bear and stark reality go to the stark reality page on jasoncharles.net podcast network music channel and subscribe to Stark Reality and Stark Reality playlists wherever you get your podcasts. You've been listening to Small Changes, Stark Reality on jasoncharles.net. jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, deep sounds. Oh, wow. That's deep. Very, very deep.